thank you for your faithfulness tonight. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for every heart, every home, every head of every household. Father, we thank you that as we would gather together under the banner of Jesus, God, there would be a collaboration of your kingdom, an establishment of the bond of peace and the fulfillment of unity beyond diversity. Father, we thank you tonight that as we would gather together in this place, that our hearts would be knit to yours, that your voice would speak and we would hear, that we would call out to you and you would show us great, great and mighty things which we know us not. Thank you today, God, that we gather, but we do not gather in vain, nor do we gather amiss. But Father God, it is divinely instructed and purposeful, Father God, for us to gather. Lord, no man came here on his own accord. For every man that came has come because the Spirit has drawn him. And so, Lord, as we're here today, we recognize an opportunity of divine destiny, an opportunity of divine appointment. Father, you have brought us to this place. So, Lord, we ask that whatever is lacking, whatever is missing, whatever is needed, that every person that's here would receive it and say, for surely it was good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. If you will, I want you to lift your offering to the Lord tonight as we have an opportunity to give into the furtherment of his kingdom. Part of our declaration that we say that as we give, we thank you that our gift is flowing from, as we give our gift is flowing from Dominion Church into the nations. And I would have you to know that that's not just a declaration that's really happening. 169 countries, our Sunday morning service is streamed in on television to 169 countries. But beyond that, foreign missionaries that we support, missions abroad that we support. And I want you to understand that as we give seed, the Bible says that he gives seed to the sower. Watch this. If you don't sow, he don't give seed to you. And so as a ministry, we believe in, in seed time and harvest because if God gives seed to the sower, we also want to sow. So this evening as you give, I just want to reassure you that your gift is not going into a collection basket. Your gift is going into a bag of seed to be broadcast and sent out for the power of the gospel to go forward. So as we declare tonight, lifting your offering before the Lord, Let's say this. Father, we thank you that as we lift our tithes and offerings to you, we declare partnership with Jesus to see him get his full reward. 
We declare as we give, it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We are kingdom seekers, and we will seek you in your kingdom first. And above all else, in doing so, we will lack for no thing. We are thankful that as we give our gift, it is flowing from Dominion Church into the nations. And as we give, we declare heaven full, hell bankrupt. And as we give to you, oh God, we declare sumpter, saved, set free, and walking in the power of the Holy Ghost and kingdom revelation. God, give us this city. Hallelujah. For you to give. The best way to give is through Cash App. But if you have cash or check, you can bring it to the offering basket at this time. I want you to take a moment though after you give, and I want you to go hug four people and tell them how good it is to see them in the house of the Lord tonight. Go, 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 go. Love on somebody. Tell them how good it is to see them. Truly, your goodness and mercy will follow me. Every time I turn around, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me. Every time I turn around, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me. Every time I turn around, surely your goodness and mercy follow me. could say amen and go home and say it's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? That's not God's plan. We still have a few moments that I want to take and partake of the bread of life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. I thought it would be proper. I'm really not, not a seasonal preacher. If it's Christmas time, it don't mean that I'm going to preach about Christmas things. I'm not don't fall into the typical traditional things. But I really felt the unction of the Lord tonight to break down and teach on, this, on the idea of the attitude of gratitude as we do take a moment seasonally and we pause and we reflect on things that we have to be thankful for. I'm confident that we live in a generation and we live in a day where if we're not careful, it is so easy to get caught up in complaining. 
It is so easy to talk about what's wrong. It's so easy to talk about what's missing, what's lacking, what ain't right, what, what, why it was this way and what ain't fair and why did they do it that way and why we get so caught up. And the truth is, is the Bible is clear that if we have breath in our body, we've got reason to praise the Lord. That if we're breathing, listen to me, your legs can be missing, your mouth could be mute, but if you got breath in your body, you got reason to praise the Lord. And I really felt like as I was stepping in here tonight, God began to deal with me about killing the spirit of complaining. Woo, come on. Man, I feel that. Killing the spirit of complaining with an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm not going to be long at all tonight. I've preached hard five times this week already, and I, I want to reserve my voice. And so I'm going to try to be teachy tonight, not hoop and holler. Say, say, yeah, God bless you on that, Kyle. I get excited about Jesus, y'all. My voice can't handle it. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My voice is proof of that. Sometimes I get so excited about Jesus, I'll just hoop and holler and run and praise the Lord, and my poor voice can't handle it, but oh well. If I got to do it in a whisper, I'll do it in a whisper tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think it's something so powerful that many of us pray and we say these prayers. God, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. I'm, I'm trying to find out what the will of God is. And people will say, hey, how's things going? And you'll say, well, pray for me. I'm really trying to discern the will of God in my life. Can I tell you what the will of God is in your life? You ready? That you rejoice always. You pray continually and you give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Let's break that down and look at it. Rejoice always. Always. Again, I say rejoice. In other words, in good times, rejoice. When the marriage is good, rejoice. When the, when the marriage is bad, rejoice. When the finances are good, rejoice. When the finances are bad, rejoice. Again, always rejoice. When things go your way, rejoice. When everything comes against you, rejoice. When heaven is pouring out, rejoice. When all hell is coming against you, rejoice. When you're happy, rejoice. When you're sad, rejoice. When you understand God and his majesty and his marvel, rejoice. But when you feel like you are the furthest thing away from God, again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. In other words, never not rejoicing. That is the will of God for your life. You rejoice continually. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter what comes against us. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. God's will for your life is that you learn to rejoice always. I'm confident that if Paul and Silas 
would not have praised the Lord at midnight. They would have died in prison. What am I telling you? That because they understood the concept of rejoicing always, understanding that they don't serve a God of circumstances, but the God they serve is uncircumstantial, knowing that regardless whether I'm in prison or I'm in the palace, God is worthy of my praise. And when they let out the praise, the always kind of praise, God changed the circumstances. Let's look at it. Pray continually. It's amazing to me that we're commissioned to pray continually. As Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaks to the church at Thessalonica, we find out that again he is commissioning them, pray continually. This same apostle would go on to say, pray without ceasing. So as we rejoice, watch this, as we rejoice always, now we have, per- we have, we have permission to pray continually. Why? Because God doesn't want to hear our pouting. He said, get your heart in a proximity of rejoicing. Oh, come on. Y'all didn't like that. Get your, proxi- your heart in a proximity of rejoicing. And when you come to me with an gra- attitude of gratitude, then I want to hear what you got to say. The Bible said it this way, that we would enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Watch this. You come in with thanksgiving, not with complaining. So the posture of my heart determines the proximity to the throne room. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Pray continually, but he only wants us to continue in prayer as long as it's mixed with the spirit of rejoicing. He wants to hear his children celebrating, exalting, giving thanks for the goodness of God, giving thanks for the mercy of God. And then he goes on and says, give thanks in all circumstances. Have you ever thought about filing bankruptcy only to turn around and say, thank you, God? Come on. Have you ever thought about being diagnosed with cancer only to turn around and say, thank you, God? Have you ever thought about going through divorce only to turn around and say, thank you, God? Some of you would say, amen. Just kidding, just kidding. But uh, the seriousness of that is that when we give thanks to God continually in all circumstances, what we're saying is that our gratitude towards God is not conditionable on what, he, on what he's done and who he is. Our gratitude towards God is because who he is. And when we understand that our heart of gratitude is because of who he is, not because of what he does. It's then that real perpetual praise comes from our life. It's then that we realize, God, if you never did another thing for me, it doesn't matter, God, if you, don't, if you don't stack my bank account with money. It doesn't matter if the business deal don't go through. It doesn't matter if this person likes me or this one. It doesn't matter as long as I have you, Jesus. That's the purpose and the passion of my life. And the definition of giving thanks, Webster defines it this way. That giving thanks is literally an action or it's a verb. That literally means grateful. It means the acknowledgement of benefits or favors. 
especially to God. It is an expression of thanks. It is an expression of thanks, especially to God. A public celebration in an acknowledgement of divine favor or kindness. That is what the, the dictionary defines gratitude or giving thanks of. Divine, an, an acknowledgement of divine favor or kindness. Is there anybody in this room that knows what divine favor is? Come on. God put you there. God puts you in place for it. God moved. When man said there was no way, God stepped in and said, I am the way. And what you find out is divine favor. Can I tell you something? That what you appreciate, appreciates. What do you mean by that? Well, you can buy a house and what you'll find out is when you put it on the market, if, it's not, if it wasn't a good deal, they say it de- de- depreciates in value. It depreciates. But watch this. When you celebrate and you appreciate things, they increase in value. When we come to God with a heart of gratitude, we put a higher value on our relationship. If you don't appreciate people, if you don't celebrate people, if you don't celebrate God, if you don't appreciate God, you will not value that relationship. So when we value God and we value the relationship, then we cannot help but have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving towards Him. What you fail to celebrate eventually will leave you. Think about that. That what you fail to celebrate eventually will leave you. If we regard anybody or anything as just common and we no longer appreciate it, we no longer are grateful for its its part in our life, whether that's God or whether that's people or whether that's opportunity, what we fail to celebrate will eventually leave you. A culture of the kingdom is honor. And when we honor God and we're grateful to God and we realize that everything we have came from Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. Without Him, nothing is possible. But with God, all things are possible. You either have an attitude of gratitude or you just have an attitude. Can I say it again for the people in the back? You either have an attitude of gratitude or you just have an attitude. It's one or the other. There is no other attitude besides the attitude of gratitude or just an attitude. I don't want to just go through life and act like everything is just owned to me, deserving to me. I think that what we realize when we see the hand of God on our lives, we cannot help but exalt Him. We cannot help but turn around and celebrate Him. Y'all ain't met those Christians yet with their lip poked up? They mad all the time? Come on. They don't cuss, but they look like they do. Come on. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever just want to ask him, what are you so angry about? And and I'm going to be honest, our churches are full of them. And people from the world come in, and they've been at the bars, they've been at the clubs, they've been out there, and they see people laughing and having a good time. And then they come into church, and they see people mad. I thought these people had salvation. I thought they had something I would want. The church has has to exemplify 
an attitude of gratitude, a joy unspeakable and full of glory, a recognition that our attitude determines our altitude and we only go as high as we're willing to give him praise for. Do you know why so many people stay low in the things of God? Because of their attitude. Because of their attitude. God doesn't work with, with, with negative attitudes. God will bypass a complainer every single time. The Bible is clear that, that those that complain and those that, that, that use their idle words for the tearing of down, God has no place for. The Bible says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we hear complaining and we hear people that want to tear down and we hear people that want to talk about what's wrong all the time, can I tell you something? It is the exact identifier of what is in their heart. If you find yourself complaining, I would ask you, where is Christ? Because if the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, then Jesus should be flowing from your lips. The Bible said, praise shall continually be on my lips. But what's on your lips? Because if you have no attitude of gratitude, then it's easy to complain. It's easy to pout. It's easy to talk about what's wrong all the time. Can I save you some hurt? Nobody wants to be friends with the person that complains all the time. Nobody wants to sit at the table with the person that talks about everything that's wrong all the time. But you get some people that can see the light in the midst of darkness. Come on, somebody. You get some people that even when it's wrong, they can talk about where they see God working. You get some people that are positive. You get some people that speak life. Man, those are the people, they got more friends than they even want. Come on, somebody. Because what they find out is their life is radiant. They find out that their life is light-giving. They find out that people that are in the shadows, they'll come to them, they'll cling to them because the life that is flowing from them, that is the model that Jesus came. The Bible is clear that he loved not his life even unto death. He laid himself down so that you and I could live. He radiated light in the face of darkness in a world that was negative, in a world that was evil, in a world that was destined to hell. God injected himself into to bring grace, to bring hope, to bring mercy, to bring joy. Colossians 2 and 7 says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude or thankfulness. Where are those people? Where are the people? Where are the people of God that are rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude? You know what I hear in our culture? I don't care, I'm gonna call it out. Because y'all know I ain't here to make friends. I'm here to make disciples. People, I've heard people say this. And if I wasn't a preacher, I'd probably slap them. I can't stand her. She's so positive all the time. Oh, y'all know. You see, y'all done heard it too. What, what she's so happy about all the time. I can't stand him. He's always smiling. 
That's a demon. That's a demon. I'm serious. That is a demonic spirit that cannot stand a heart that is constantly overflowing with gratitude. But have you ever thought maybe the reason why they're so thankful is because you don't know where they were when he found them and what he had to bring them out of? Maybe they smile all the time because they're no longer headed to hell. Maybe they know what it's like to be suicidal. Maybe they know what it's like to be addicted on drugs. Maybe they know what it's like to be heartbroken. Maybe they know what it's like to feel lost and abandoned. And then all of a sudden, he stepped in, and now you can't wipe the smile off of their face. Maybe the reason why they talk so positive is because they've encountered his power. Psalms 118 and 24 said, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I believe that there is a supernatural strength that comes to the believer that can learn to recognize that every day that comes your way, God made it. When you realize this, watch this, that life is not happening to you, but you're happening to life. My God, catch that. When you realize life is not happening to you, but you are happening to life, that God injected you into life, that God injected you into the number of your days. And when he put you in the earth, he did not put you in for life to happen to you, but for life to come through you, to flow, and that you would be injected in every community, every sphere of influence, whether you're in Walmart or you're at your job or you're at school. Life is not happening to you. You're happening to it. When the people of God say, this is the day, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why can I be glad in it? Because my daddy, who's a good daddy, who knows my end from my beginning, and in Romans 8 said that he caused all things to work together for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purposes. It doesn't matter what happens. I will rejoice. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. First Chronicles 16, 34 said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His love endures forever. It's amazing to me that the only thing that you have to have revelation of before you can give thanks to God, it's just how good he is. Watch this. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to be who he is. We don't rejoice because of what he's done. We rejoice because of who he is. Watch this. It's where uncircumstantial love comes from. I don't love him for what he's done. I love him for who he is. Watch this, because I'm going to help some religious folk in the house tonight. If he is uncircumstantial love, that means that he loves you not for what you do, but because of who you are. And so it's in that revelation that we realize it doesn't matter how much I do. What matters is who I am while doing it. Whew, come on. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. The Bible says that we are now more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When I meditated on that revelation, how can you be a more than conqueror? Like, I figured you could be a conqueror, right? A conqueror is somebody that's conquered. But how do you become a more than conqueror? And as I meditated on that and I heard a, a, a brother of mine say, he said the only way that you could be a more than conqueror would be in the case that, that, that there's a boxing ring. And in the boxing ring, there's, there's uh, the enemy of your soul in one corner, and he holds all the titles of the world. He holds all the, the victories that, that the world has ever known or could ever give. But in the other corner is King Jesus, and Jesus comes in, and he knocks him out with one blow, stripping him of every title. And before Jesus can stand up and get the glory for it, he brings you in the ring and puts the belt on your shoulder, and he says, this is the winner. That is a more than conqueror. A more than conqueror is somebody that won and they didn't even deserve to win. A more than conqueror is somebody they just showed up and for some weird reason, because of the goodness of God, the love of God, he placed the victory on us. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He placed the winning belt on your shoulder and said, that's the winner. But he fought the fight. Thanks be to God. When you realize the revelation of this kind of stuff, you cannot help but be grateful. You cannot help. Listen to me. I understand that there's discouraging things happening in every single one of your lives. I know that every single one of you have a reason and watch this, even a legal right to complain if you wanted to. But you're not called to complain. You're not called to gripe. You're not called to talk about what's wrong. You are called to rejoice always. This is the difference of the saints. This is the difference of the blood-bought children of God. It's not that our life is exempt from trial. It's not that life is not hard. It, it, when we came to Jesus, we didn't get on some magic carpet and ride away with a genie in a bottle that we get three wishes for anything we want in life. No, the truth of it is, is that we found out when we came to Jesus, the first thing he said was pick up your cross and follow me. We found that it's heavy. We found that it's hard. We found that it's not easy. But we found that he invited us on a journey. And sometimes I'm carrying my cross and it's heavy. Sometimes I'm carrying my cross and it's hard. But I'm amazed that he even asked me to follow him. And that is the beauty of understanding that we have every right to be thankful. We got every right to rejoice. Why? Because my God, he saved us. He redeemed us. He restored us. He claimed us as his own. The fact that I'm not headed to hell is enough. Say, my God, thank you. My bills might not be getting paid. 
My kids may be disobedient. My marriage may be in shambles. My health may not be the best. But my God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you would lavish such love on me. Closing, Jonah 2 and 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, and I will make good, and I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. See, many times we have to understand you will never complain your way out of something, but you can absolutely praise your way out. Jonah, pull it back up. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. When you would jump into the story of Jonah, you would find in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9, and you would think that something significant and good is happening to Jonah. At a, at a mere glimpse, you would think, okay, this must be after Jonah heard from God, did what God asked him to do, and none of us was saved. No. We find out that Jonah is still in the belly of the great fish. It's in this moment that we discover Jonah is surrounded by the swamp of the great fish's belly. It's in this moment that Jonah is in the midst of of the guts of the fish. And Jonah utters these words, but with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. So many preachers will preach about how the fish vomited him out. But I'll tell you this. God opened the mouth of the fish. But Jonah opened his mouth in praise. And when Jonah recognized that I've been in the belly of this fish for three days, and if something don't change, if posture don't change, if I get stuck in the guts, I'm going to die here. But Jonah recognized in chapter 2, he said, I will praise you. I'm going to offer a sacrifice that says, God, you're good, even in the guts of this fish. You will never You will never, you will never complain your way out of anything. But I believe that God looks and he sees people that are in the guts of fish. Life stinks. They're pressed on every side. It's not easy. And for those that will say, God, I'm thankful. God, I'm offering the sacrifice of praise. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't know why I feel the way I do. But God, I'm going to offer a sacrifice of praise. God, you're still good. 
Even in the guts, you're still good. Even when it's hard, you're still good. Even when it's not going my way, you're still good. Even when I don't like where I'm at, you're still good. And I believe when God sees that, fish open their mouths. That what's been imprisoning you is commanded to loosen you. That what has held you and bound you and what is restraining you and containing you, I believe God looks at it and he says, open your mouth. And fish have to throw up. Demonic strongholds have to be broken. My God, I feel the spirit of the Lord. 